You're listening to Miscast Commentary. Hey everybody, welcome to Miscast Commentary, Coming Attractions episode. I'm Joe Finley. I'm Todd Tebow, the Sailor Murray. And we have got a lot to talk about. Well, not as much to talk about. We're going to kind of ease up on us for a little bit, give you a little break on us. And we are bringing you a fantastic guest today. Comedian Mike Kaplan is on the show. He's here talking about his new album, a.k.a. uh, available now for download wherever you download. Awesome guy. He was a fantastic guy. We're going to hear from him very shortly. A little bit of housekeeping beforehand, I guess. Uh, We will talk about, um, and try and get it out of the way really fast so we don't bum people out, Uh, a lot of unfortunate uh, passings away this week. We just lost Jerry Stiller, which was a really sad one. Uh, You know, obviously, I knew of it because I had deleted all of my history on my phone. Yeah, you got to do that from time to time. After a good one, you know, that's the real housekeeping right there. Mm -hmm. And then after I deleted it, I went back in and it just goes to like the generalized headlines. Yes. And it said Ben Stiller, Jerry Stiller. And I was like, what the hell? And then when I clicked it, yeah, Jerry Stiller has died. I was, it was. 92, not a bad age. No, he. he, Great career. He lived a life. He had a career and he will be very missed. Uh, Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy fame also passed away uh, due to uh, COVID-19 complications. So... Wasn't he the one that was attacked by the tiger? He is the one who was attacked by the tiger. Um, So, I mean, silver lining, I guess. He wasn't still doing that. What? Like, uh, (laughs) I I don't really know what to say about that. You Uh, survive a tiger attack and then the flu gets you. Yeah. That's happens, that kind man. of attitude is why people are opening up fucking gyms right now in in Georgia. <laughs> in um, Georgia, oh my god! God, they are bananas. It was one of my favorite things. I saw this video on Twitter. It was a bunch of people protesting outside of a gym or outside of um, some place, saying like, "Open up the gyms and all that stuff." It was just another one of the the dumb anti. Uh, uh, quarantine protests and they're all sitting out there and their protest was to do squats and stuff outside of this place. And the response was just, so you're proving that exercises can be done anywhere, whether a gym yeah. is open or not. Well, with these, is there anything these people won't be anti to like yeah. anything? They're pro anti. I wonder if thing, if, if the government came out and was like, everybody gets a new gun. They'd be like, no, I buy my guns. I'm anti this. Yeah. Like, where's the line? You're probably going to give me some pussy like yeah. government gun. Or the gun's going to have a, a fucking microchip in there that yeah. that feeds into my brain to get rid of the rest of my guns. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's... Oh, no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because I don't mean it. And I don't want to say... I don't want to say... I see things I don't I mean it. all the time. I it's know. fun. I know, but I And then I go home drinking. later and I feel guilty. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. It's like, you know? But yeah, so we'll get past death now. Uh, and uh, a lot of cool things coming up in the entertainment verse. A lot of good comedy specials and all that. Of course, again, Mike Kaplan's Mike AKA. Kaplan. Go check that out. I did buy his album. I didn't I, I didn't pretend that I bought it and say, oh, yeah, it was great, and find a couple of clips or something like that. I, it was, I did purchase the album. It is a worthy purchase, and go and check it out. I'm going to get it myself, I promise. I, I, I don't listen to a lot of things, yeah. but I feel like I should purchase his album, and I will listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, he... He was funny. He seems like a very smart, mm. funny... Like he was very yeah. intellectual. Oh, he's super. He's super sharp, and that's the thing. And we and we discussed this a little bit, so I don't want to ruin anything. But we discussed kind of the speed at which 
he uh, speaks and gets his jokes out combined with how smart he is. And like, it's, it's unapologetic. It's kind of a, not, not an attitude, not a smugness anywhere about it. He's very aware. Yeah. He's very aware, but it's kind of like i I'm going to go at this speed and you can keep up with me and enjoy it. Or if you don't and you miss some stuff, I can accept that too. And like, it's a real, uh, I, I respect the hell out of it. It's funny because I didn't say it with him. Because it was like, me too, you know, but I get it all the time where people yeah. are like, you're talking so fast that it yeah. can't. And I'm like, that's your fucking problem. Yeah. And it's like, and it's all racial slurs. Stop. <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> that's that, that therein lies the difference. But, um, <laughs> sometimes I'm talking really fast and then I just, I, I, I buffer in real time. I'll be going and going and going and, uh, <laughs> you can see the thing <laughs> going in a circle, right? You just, Damn the center net. Yeah. It's, I can go for a long time. Uh, I think what I do more than anything though, uh, being, I don't want to say quick witted cause that's, that would be conceited of me to say it myself. Could you say it for me, please? You're very quick witted. Thank you very much. And being that, uh, did you I, hear that money just exchanged into my hand? I, I Venmoed him. So, I Venmoed him some cash. It was I actually don't, just, uh, Food stamps. Yeah, we don't we don't handle bills anymore. Do they do because food of these stamps days. in the states still, or is it yeah. like electronic food stamps? I think it's a card now. That's a card. It's a card. That makes sense. Um, they're electronic food stamps. Like they're little teeny tiny card. tasers. Yeah, that's probably on your phone. Even though yeah. you can't eat groceries, food. everybody they still get an apple. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you'd be fine. No, um, I I have seen I've seen people use food service cards and stuff when I've been over the river and stuff like that. That's what we say in Canada is over the river, and that makes no sense to somebody like if you're listening out in a border like in Manitoba, Minnesota, kind of whatever. They don't have a river that you cross. It's just like a land crossing, yeah. right? So They're it like, doesn't what mean a river. It, it, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, it's very very local and specific. So for the three people who live in this area who listen, thanks. Um, <laughs> they can just look at a map. Across the old pond there. Not, not That's worth not the it. pond. That's going to Britain. No, because... We're it, talking over the river. If you are looking for us, though, we are the southern part of Ontario. We are the part of Canada's penis that is penetrating into the United States. Right, buddy. Through, uh, through Michigan, Pennsylvania, and uh, New York. Uh, so, you, so you got We're that pretty going. close up in Thunder Bay, too. We're getting pretty close. Thunder Bay is like the like balls right, resting yeah. on top Exactly. Of- it's like the balls that swing yes. past every now and then as it, you know... Yeah. And Lake Superior is the swamp ass. <laughs> oh, man, I threw up so bad at Lake Superior. Oh, my God. Really? We just, like, I, I think we just analogied the shit out uh, of our area. Like, everybody calls Florida a penis, but it's not, it's just hanging there dead. I guess because it's an old penis, because exactly. it's all old people, right? Out <laughs> <laughs> there mowing its lawn. What the I'm pict- testicles hanging out yeah. of the shorts. What I'm picturing right now is Mike listening to this. And going, oh, good, this is my lead-in? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I do apologize for us being us. I've, I should have given you a better clue of what we were before you agreed to do the show. A little more very useless, um, well, useless to you guys, but very useful to me, uh, housekeeping, is we are moving our services. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, uh, our services will have moved to Libsyn from SoundCloud. I uh, shouldn't mean a lot to you if you're subscribed on anywhere like Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Podcasts, anything like that. Uh, you should be uninterrupted, but if for some reason you don't get an episode on a Friday, uh, go and check. I will have our uh, on our Twitter and on our website the link to uh, the new location for all of that, just in case your service does get inter- get interrupted for us. 
so yeah, so that's that, and we're just mo- we're just moving our hosting, and if that affects somebody, I apologize. But to where? Uh, Libsyn. Libsyn. L i b s y n. Ooh, I thought it was O n. Good. It's glad you said that. Yes, yes. But it's it's we. I've uh, I've got to deal with a Portuguese website that's uh, really. <laughs> I, I, I very close. Yes. Too close, and actually. I know, I know that's Lisbon. I'm just being a dick. But <laughs> that's Don't explain it. No, I just again. I I'm very oh, yeah, I got one for you. no. I'm very self conscious of somebody going like because I do that all the time. Where you'll see read somebody's tweet and it's the y o u r y o apostrophe r e kind of thing, and I'm like, hey, dipshit, it's this, and it's just an honest mistake. <laughs> but this time I was just playing. It was it was a play on words that I didn't want to be corrected on. So that's, hey, dipshit. Yeah, I get called dipshit enough in my life. I don't need it from the internet. I know, right? So what was the thing you got from me? It's a tale. Oh, what kind of a tale? Please be right. Please be right. Please be right. This has no, been- it's good. Oh. Okay, try again. It's a tales from the sea. <laughs> Fifth times the exactly. show, baby. Okay, so I'm on the boat. Yes, it's a ferry boat. It's a really tiny, rockety mm. thing, mm. full of disease. We're on the boat. We're on the boat. We're docked inland. I ordered a pizza, uh-huh. a big, huge, thirty-two square slice king size pizza. How's that diet to going? To be by ordered, way? great. <laughs> to be ordered by the boat, and. It had to be delivered between 5.30 and 6. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the guy in the dock, Dan Sini, wonderful guy. Love him. Brother of the Naming boss. Naming names. L- brother of the boss, Paul mm-hmm. Manweenie. And he has got this pizza for us. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's on its way. Yeah. We get in. I'm like, we're, we're getting cars in and off. And I'm like, fuck, there's no pizza guy here yet. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm starting to get nervous because I'm like, if it's time to go, we got to go. There's no waiting for this pizza. Yeah. All of a sudden, the boss, the captain... Runs down. He only runs down when he's like freaking out about like we're one second late from leaving. Yeah. He runs down. He's like, we're fucking out. He's like, Garrett. Like he's in a state. He's like, we're going right now. We got to go. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, there's no pizza. I'm like, I don't know where this pizza guy is. I'm like, he's going to go up there. He's going to honk the horn. Once he honks the horn, I'm just praying the pizza doesn't show up at all. Yeah. Right. I'm like, this is going to complicate way too many matters. He's like, where's the goddamn linesman over the radio? The guy that lets go, Dan Sini. Yeah. Suddenly I hear Todd, Todd, Todd over the radio. And I'm like, oh my God, it, here he comes. It's like a like the president's limo ride, you know, like whatever you fucking call it. They're all yeah, in there. The motorcade. The motorcade. Yeah. And they has got the pizza. And he honks the horn and I have to raise the ramp. And he's he's looking out the window, man. He's like, there's a pizza guy right there. And he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, fuck. And so I'm raising the ramp and the wind is 20Ks coming at us. So the boat is off the dock. Yeah. They run over with the pizza. Yeah. Okay, first it's the lady, Joanne Beatrice. She's got purple hair. Yes. Wonderful woman. They run to the side of the dock right next to me and they've got this huge pizza. And he's like, just reach. He's like, just reach for the pizza. And he's panicking because he doesn't want to pay for it. Yeah. Right? I'm just supposed to pay for it. And I'm like, I'm not reaching on a fall right into the drink. He's like, I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw the pizza. And he goes like, like he's going to frisbee the huge pizza at me. And I'm like, don't fucking frisbee the pizza at me. And there's guys behind the gate going like, don't throw the pizza, Dan. Don't throw the pizza. And I'm like, oh my God. And he's just going to go to throw it. And then Joanne like grabs it and stops him from throwing the pizza. And I'm like, because I knew if he threw the pizza, it's like 20 wind. It's going to go right in the drink. It's going to flip. I'm not going to grab it. Yeah. And I'm like so pissed off. All I needed was an extra arm length. Yeah. And I could have fucking grabbed this pizza. Ugh. And I go upstairs and we're leaving and I'm mad. And the captain's like, uh, we could have left on time. And I'm like, what? 
He's like, yeah, we left 10 minutes early. And I'm like, what? Because he honked the horn. I'm thinking this is the actual time. So he caught us 10 minutes early. And then when we're in the wheelhouse, he's like, you know what? In hindsight, we, we could have stayed. And I was like, I will stab you in the throat. <laughs> that is the best story I've ever heard that ended in no pizza. I, it, we got, it was like the perfect shit storm, domino mousetrap of not getting a pizza. Oh, God. That it was sucks. heartbreaking. Everyone was angry mm-hmm. on all sides except for the captain. Yeah. Who was like, I had no idea there was a pizza-related mishap on the dock. And I was like, yes, you fucking did. Like, <laughs> you son of a bitch. I tattooed it on your goddamn arm. Oh, yeah. He like he recently broke his orbital bone. And I was like, oh. mm! right in your orbital bone. Mm! Oh, God. that was, That's <clears throat> not great. So what? Orbital you ruined bone? my pizza. <sighs> I was bringing this pizza to why be a are, hero. Why are you yelling at a me? Pizza just, hero. You know I love pizza. I, in fact, like we're, I've, we've eaten pizza together. And I was going to bring it. To this woman who's going to end up being my wife one day. And yeah. there was no Mother's Day pizza. Yeah. We had to eat grilled cheese sandwiches, yeah. which were still pretty good. Well, so you <laughs> still you still got cheese on a bread stuff. So, I mean. Yeah. You just. You, or you, you dunk it in marinara when I'm like fucking homeless. You can do that. People do that. That sounds pretty good, actually. It's, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> actually sounds pretty good. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of places you can order grilled cheese or something, and they'll, and they'll <laughs> the give you The a... best was just Dan Cini trying to frisbee this huge, huge pizza. You should have let it happen. Oh, man, I couldn't. I was like, because then nobody's going to get pizza. That, but that, to me, is funnier than <laughs> that guy still having a pizza. <laughs> and he was so mad. He was, they said they've never seen him matter. He's like, I'll just fucking freeze some of it. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you can freeze pizza? Sure you can. And then when I went, when I went home, my mom was like, I have pizza in the freezer. <laughs> and I was like, that's... And well, then I punched her in the orbital bone. <laughs> Hers wasn't broken yet. Mm. Oh, God, that is fantastic. Uh, well, when Todd ever, whenever Todd gives a Tales from the Sea, I have to give a... Tales from the <laughs> desk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Uh, when when I do work on site now, I work from home most of the time. But when I work on site, uh, we're all like isolated and stuff like that. And so I was, you know, just sitting in a room by myself. And uh, graphics didn't work for a little bit, but we got them, got them going. That is awesome! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, I didn't. My my story also doesn't end in pizza, but it ended with some of the best goddamn leftovers. Every single night was me eating some random leftovers. I made some fish and chips the one night, so I brought it all. And I, I thought you meant like from the fridge work. You're like, hey, Don, nice yeah. lunch. <laughs> that stuff would probably have been left over from friggin' March, and it's yeah. got like legs it's and like shit. Green. But um, I I owe an apology to my uh, work people too because I've ordered KFC a couple times, and it keeps coming with sides that I don't eat. What? Like, col- I don't eat coleslaw. Ew, gross, you change it for gravy or something. Well, no, it was, uh, well, because I got, I already had gravy, but it, it comes with two specific sides, and I was like, ooh, Carrie likes coleslaw and their potato salad, so I ordered little, those ones. Right. I was like, I'll bring them home to her, and I keep leaving them in the fridge. And then I'm gone for two weeks because yeah. I'm working from home. So it's like... I got a feeling those aren't very good anymore. No, 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 Just no. a random but, thought. But you know what they also are? Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I don't want to take up any more time. I think it is time to get to our guest. I agree. Uh, you know this man from uh, Last Comic Standing, America's Got Talent, appearances on Conan and Letterman, uh, 
all over the his place. His new one, AKA? Yeah. His new album, AKA, is out now. You can also listen to his podcast, Broccoli and Ice Cream, wherever. I assume if you can, wherever you listen to this podcast, you can find his podcast and you'll find more listeners there. But that's neither here nor there. And it's definitely not bitterness because the guy deserves it. Uh, <laughs> Vegan broccoli. Regular ice cream. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> right? <laughs> But no, uh, that's all good. It's probably vegan ice cream. It's probably, it'll be fine. I wanted to talk to you about being a vegan, but we were running out of time because I, I, I'm such an animal lover. I'm not yeah. kidding you. I've yeah. met chickens on this island that I work yeah. at and I love them. Yeah. And I wish to God that I could just get it together and be a vegan. Yeah. At least a vegetarian because I, I love the animals so much, yeah. but I'm stuck in this meat eating rot. I don't yeah. eat red meat. Yeah. yeah, that's not true. Sometimes I have <laughs> As long as you don't count camber- hamburgers exactly. or steak as red meat, exactly. I don't eat it. I rarely eat red meat, yeah. rarely eat pork. Yeah. But still, I'm I eat red meat rarely. Because <laughs> it's rare. <laughs> but I wanted to ask him yeah. how long he's been a vegetarian, what started. Yeah, yeah. Like, did your father bring you to the slaughterhouse? This is where we get our double beaver. He's like, oh my Lord. <laughs> this is the end yeah. of this. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, He's a great guy though. You yeah. should listen to his comedy. He's very smart. Yeah. If you Seems haven't heard very it before. very woke. If you haven't heard it before, he is sharp as a tack. Yeah. He's so funny. And he was very, very kind to spend a little bit of time with us. And you'll hear Todd's one question about him being a vegan and it was a home run. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, let's listen to our interview with Mike Kaplan. All right, so we are here with the self-proclaimed kombucha of comedy, Mike Kaplan. Thank you for listening to my comedy and uh, showing me that that is what you did. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. (laughs) No problem. Uh, So how are you doing today, sir? With everything that's going on, you're locked up like everybody else is. How how are you feeling? How are you surviving? Uh, Thank you for asking. I I have been uh, maybe more active in ways like with podcasts and streaming shows and keeping in touch via uh, various electronic means with uh, loved ones, friends, comedians, fellow human beings. So I feel like, especially in the weeks leading up to my album's release, which came out last week, mm-hmm. uh, I've been, you know, making rounds on like different friends and strangers shows. And so like today, for example, like you asked how I am today, and uh, I'm going to say, I guess, what I am today, which is busy. And I'm glad to be busy, glad to have the capacity, glad that there are people who want to talk to me and that are enjoyable to talk to and commune with in these ways and share. Like, I think I started at 2 p.m. I, I, I don't even I have to go backward now because after this, I am going to perform what uh let's say stand up i'll perform comedy i'll i'll talk into my computer uh <laughs> for 10 or 15 minutes and on a show and then i'll talk on a radio show that a friend has at sirius and right before this i was doing i was spending a little time with my girlfriend but before that i was uh doing a podcast called weed and grub and that was a lot of fun and uh then before that one uh it, honestly, I can o- I only remember two podcasts forward and two podcasts back, but uh, there have been a couple more things. So it's been a a nice. Oh, I remember I talked to my mom today, and she was like, "What did you do?" Oh yeah, just a a younger comic has a has a podcast where he invites uh, people who've been doing comedy longer to come on and talk about comedy, and so I did that for an hour and a half earlier today, and it's uh, I mean, any given day uh, looks 
like a day could look like, you know, in the before times, if I didn't have travel, if I didn't have a show to go out to, uh, I might, you know, I might go out for a walk, uh, which I might still do sometimes. I, uh, but otherwise I might, you know, read, write, listen to music, listen to a podcast, watch a thing, talk with my girlfriend, you know, write emails or, or music or comedy. Oh my, like, and so it's, it's been a lot of that. It's just like, oh, normally then, okay, let's break this up with, uh, oh, no breaking this up. Just let's just, okay, just more. <laughs> let's, let's break some of this up with more of this. Yeah. You've been sitting in front of a computer for days. Uh, yeah. I mean, weeks, arguably. <laughs> you know, you're you're every... wearing a diaper like old ladies <laughs> at the casino. You know, sometimes up until, up until the past couple of days, I've been putting on pants uh, like, like to go to even work at like quote unquote work at my computer because it felt like psychologically reasonable. Like, look at this, like the, the light changes outside, uh, the, the clothes change inside. I, I certainly have been, I would say showering like one day more infrequently than, than yeah. not, you know, like if in the past I would take a shower every two days it could be every one day because i'm born to keep clean i uh (laughs) i'm certainly like you know once in a while my girlfriend uh and i will like look down or smell down at ourselves and be like it seems like it might be time for a shower it is it's called covid quarantine penis oh you haven't showered in days you go to the bathroom you pull your pants down and you're like holy shit it smells like the mummy's fart it's you know, something to think about, I guess. It's called quarantine yeah. penis. Well, I, I think that every everyone has that experience, regardless of whether they have a penis or not. That is yeah. what it's called, named by a penis haver, I presume. Yeah. Uh, I I sincerely, I, I'll usually smell like something that's closer to the top, closer to my nose. Like I'm not uh, like the the armpit is really what what gets me. It's like oh that yeah. it doesn't smell even bad either. Just like. We both, my girlfriend and I like how we smell, like when we smell the smells that, that represent who we are, you know what, before you've covered it up or washed it away with soap or deodorant or what have you. So we're just like, oh, that's like, it's like a lot, a lot of you. And we're like, oh, is this, is this, am I too, too much me right now? You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to go make it a little, a little less me. I'll be, I'll be back and you won't even know that I'm me. Yeah, exactly. I will be zest. Or or West fully clean. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be Dr. Bronner. That that works perfectly. Mike is a vegan. He's probably (laughs) got some crazy soap (laughs) that smells like fake cheese. I, you know, I, I feel like you might not have your finger on the exact pulse of the vegan community, but uh, (laughs) none. I do know that you do have your finger on your own pulse. And that is nice. It's good to know yourself. I mean, really. We only know ourselves. You can't know what's going on internally with another person. So anything that you say only (laughs) reveals things about yourself. It's not, yeah, it's not going to stop Todd from taking big swings. No, it's not. No, it is not. Um, But yeah, so uh, you you said you've been doing a lot of stuff. Obviously, you've been connecting with a lot of people and doing comedy in your own way and stuff. Coming up with new material in a in a bubble like this, uh, do you find that it motivates you because you're there and you're able to do it, or is it hurting because you're not kind of out in the community and maybe experiencing the things that would be amused for you? Uh, it has for me been a a I think a more creative time, or at least a similarly creative time, like where there's some 
shows that when I would go out and perform in front of people in a building that is not my home, some of my favorite things to do is like if it's a nice receptive audience to riff and experiment and discover new things on stage in the moment. Uh, and like sometimes if an audience is into that, then you keep doing it. Sometimes if an audience is not into that, then maybe, like, oh, well, I'll, I'll get into more prepared bits uh, because that's what it seems seems like. That's what you are. OK, if they don't like that, then I'll go into a bat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then uh, I'm like, oh, that's just, you know, like I don't have any pets. So I got to make the noises of a pet sometimes make it feel like my girlfriend. and I have some company. We do have a cat that visits us. But sincerely, <laughs> during this time, like while some comedians, I honestly I mean, it makes sense. When people are like, it's hard to do it without the audience reaction, you know, which is a separate question of having different experiences. Like, number one, this is a different experience. So <laughs> there are things that are arising uh, in these times that are noteworthy. I don't have to go out of my house. To, I can go into my head, into my life, into this experience. Like a lot of people might be writing similar bits, but we're all... Also, we're all different people experiencing the world through our own filters. So I have written things. I have come up with things. I have riffed things. And on the idea that, oh, how do you know if something works if you're not respond if you don't have an audience that's responding to it the same as a live audience would? Well, in this situation, if I tell a joke, if I would, if I were to tell an audience, an, uh, a muted audience, <laughs> that my best joke or one of my like, definitely works jokes, then they wouldn't, I wouldn't hear the laughter that that joke normally gets. So why not just make up something new, be in the moment mm -hmm. and have that get the exact same amount of laughter <laughs> that my best joke would get. So I honestly, I have found that it is like some people might see it as a constraint, but some people, sometimes constraints lead you to rise to meet, uh, to be expand within that constraint. And so I have been fortunate. I'm grateful that that has been my experience that, so far. Would you, when doing new material, do you go to a specific place to try it out? Or? Uh, good question. In, you mean in the before times when- <laughs> Right. Yes. Uh, there are, there's a bunch of places that like, there's a, I started out in Boston and I live in New York now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would go back to Boston. I moved, out, moved from Boston to New York in 2008. And since then, uh, for at least the last, some number of years there's the place place that i started is called the comedy studio uh it's like you know my home club i feel very comfortable there when i'm there i feel like you know anything they have very warm audiences they know what to expect they love comedy that's a place that i love going and trying new things and there's a place called great scott that has a show called the gas that i've probably like done several times a year for the last several years that a buddy of mine rob crean runs there that I, they just they announced that they are not going to exist anymore. I think they've been there for 44 years, but oh. they announced they're not going to exist. There's a petition to hopefully make it. I don't know how the petition works. But like, hey, please don't do that. Whoever is doing it. <laughs> but uh, I hope I signed it. I'm like, please, please keep being the thing that I love. Yeah. But uh, I've like I recorded one album there. I've had so many wonderful shows where I feel like people are coming there to see me. That it's not like a comedy club where it could be, oh, who's here this weekend? Oh, let's go on date night. Oh, maybe it's the bachelor party, bachelor party, whatever it is. Like, and there sometimes there's an unknown quantity of like, they don't know you, you don't know them. Mm -hmm. But there are some clubs that do, a, I think, a, a, a good job of, you know, matching up being like, hey, here's who's here this weekend or my fans come out. But certainly there's some some cities with independent venues where like a place called Motorco in uh, 
Durham, North Carolina is a wonderful place that I've gone a few times and I always feel very comfortable like riffing. Like, you know, if I'm doing an hour or more, I'm doing like potentially some prepared material and some, uh, you know, being open to what's going to happen in the moment. Like when I go to the gas, when I go to Great Scott in Boston, that's a place where I, my, I have things that are potentially planned to do if need be. But in the moment, if I can start and follow some, some ideas, some new stories, some riffs, some presence in the moment, some flow, state action, uh, then I'll do that as much as I can, as often as I can, like in between, like it might end up, I did a show at the Nowhere Comedy Club, which is a quarantine arisen uh, business. And uh, they, it was great. They, they curated an audience. So you do have people, you do hear some people laughing yeah. uh, at some of the times, but still it's, it's still, you're in your room by yourself or I have my girlfriend. She laughs. So <laughs> all my jokes are skewing towards the topic of, I love my girlfriend. And, <laughs> she um, better laugh, but I, she better oh, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I don't want her pity. I want yeah. her. I want her honesty. Oh, you, know? you I want, yeah, you are the uh, opposite of me. My, if my wife is in the room and I'm doing something, all, all I see is just sheer pity. It's like, Oh, <laughs> you're talking to the comedian today. You must feel terrible about your, about yourself. Well, you know, uh, who can say, I mean, I, I don't want to say that she's just reflecting what's inside herself. Yeah. Maybe she feels terrible about you talking to me. Who can, I, I can't, I'm not inside your experience nor hers. Yeah. And only you, you probably know each other pretty well. Yeah. So I accept, I accept your assessment. <laughs> of she's a mail order wife. bride. Yeah. They don't know each other. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Fair. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but uh, I did, I did the show the other night and it was uh, fantastic. I just loved I felt like in an hour, I had, I, I had some jokes planned and I, I planned to do, you know, maybe I had like a list of, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 ideas to possibly look at and try and explore like newer things like in these moments. But it also was just such a, a warm, welcoming, like some, some of the audiences now be, are not desperate, not thirsty, but they're like, they're, they want want comedy they maybe need comedy they're like please like we want we want something please offer us something and so i feel like that's the best way you know compared to sometimes you go to a comedy show in in the before times and you have an audience member who's like this better be funny like oh for you it might not be you know <laughs> and but the person who says like this is gonna be great i'm really excited to see it whether they know you or not or they're just like optimistic and open open oh. to receiving so i feel like there are a lot more people these you know in these zoom comedy shows that are like like if they're there it, they're like oh god i don't know what what is what is happening but will this be something please i hope that will this be can you make this something and by like both people believing in it it uh springs to life at least a little bit nice an hour of comedy mm -hmm. seems like a very arduous tiring thing like to put that together right? yeah like holy shit you mean just in general to yeah. Yeah. comedy for an hour? Uh, well, you know, I didn't start out doing it. I, <laughs> when I, the first time I performed, I probably did five minutes and yeah. that seemed arduous at the time. I do remember yeah. one time starting out in Boston, uh, there was a club called the Comedy Connection. They had an amateur night every Monday. You could call up and they put you on in a few weeks or a few months or a few years or never. And uh, it eventually became a bringer show. But in the beginning, it was just you would call and they put you on. And it was it was sort of communicated. There was no light. They did, there was no lighting system in Boston 
That is to say, like, to light you, to let you know that your set was a minute from over. Like, there were lights yeah. in the place, there were lights on the stage, but you had to keep track of your own time. That was a very oh, wow. Boston thing when I was starting out. Like, the comedy studio now has a light, but it used to be they didn't. And then, like, some, some acts would come up from New York expecting a light, and then they'd do 17 minutes in a seven-minute set, and be like, okay, we're going to get a light here. But at, I remember it was communicated to me by, like, the older comedians, the wise comedy elders of Boston. They were like, you do your time. You have a watch. You have a timer. Just keep track of it. Know how long your set is. Know how long you're supposed to do. Be respectful to the other comedians. Don't go over your time. And so I remember being very cognizant of that. One of my first times at this comedy club doing the amateur night. And I was like, five minutes. I have it. I ran through it at home. Five minutes. It's five minutes. I got it. Pausing for last five minutes. I did it. I got off stage. It was three minutes and 53 seconds. <laughs> uh, I like sped through it. And the booker called me over and he was like, hey, that was you did a good job. You went, you went under a minute and you can't do that either. You know, like, because <laughs> the host, maybe the host is in the bathroom. Who knows? It's like the other way can't be, it's gotta be exactly right. Goldilocks style. I'd be like, this is too long. This is too short. <laughs> and so I would say in the beginning, it was just like, Oh, you just want to have any jokes. I, I assume you, you may understand that idea that you want to have something like when you, before you ever start, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, it's almost exactly the same. It's, it's slightly different. You're like, one is very close to zero on a scale of zero to infinity. You know, like one is a little better than zero. Yeah, then you have, you know, one joke, one minute, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, I got 15 minutes of jokes. Then you come across a crowd. You're like, oh, actually, I think not, most of those didn't work. So I got back to two minutes. Okay, but two really good minutes. <laughs> then you keep doing that. You got another 15, another, yeah, I got 20. Eventually like I could do 30. Okay, great. And then you come across a crowd that you're like, okay, back to seven, back to seven <laughs> minutes. Okay. Coming up. It's just like climbing up. It's two steps forward, seven steps back, three steps, you know, and uh, eventually, you know, every, at every point of the game, I eventually was asked to headline, like, I think it was for like some, a high school summer program mm -hmm. at a college nearby. And they're like, do an hour. And I wrote down, I knew I had an hour of jokes. I had done like many different, 10 minute sets, 20 minute sets, some 30 minute sets. I was like, I have it, but I couldn't remember it at the time. I'd never done it. How could I do it? Because how do you do something you've never done? <laughs> and so I, I just, I, I grouped them in order. Like I, you know, I had a chunk about relationships, a chunk about TV, a chunk about movies, a chunk about being vegan, a chunk about food, a chunk about being Jewish, a chunk about like all these different things. And then I was like, tried to put them in order. And I'm like, okay, food, movies, Jews, you know, the movie goes to Jews, okay. And like, and I, I had like, I sort of arranged it as a syllabus and I was like, okay, this is the order we're going to do things in. I brought the paper on, like either had it on a stool or had it in my pocket. And I just, in each segment, I had maybe 20 jokes in each topic, you know, like 20 jokes about food. And I knew what order they went in because I would do them. I could remember 10 minutes of jokes and then I could remember another 10 minutes. It's like, you know, Oh, through the course of your life, you've probably memorized an hour's worth of songs. If somebody asked you to, what are your favorite songs? What songs do you know all the lyrics to? Just start saying them. Like if you have a favorite band or a favorite something, uh, then you start doing it. And then, like, oh yeah, I could talk for an hour. So you ba basically, as a comedian, you, I felt like I was memorizing my own songs, which you're sort of memorizing them as you're creating them because you're creating them and yeah. learning them at the same time and figuring out how they work. And eventually, like, you know, that I think that first hour I did was probably in like 2005-ish, you know, started mm -hmm. in 2002, so 2005-ish, talked for an hour and it went well. And I had this paper that I was every once in a while, I think it was just nice to have it. I didn't, re I think I might've referred to it like 
twice or three times yeah. to be like, which one? Because if I forgot one thing, then I skip to the end and I'm like, oh, well, that that's it. It was only three minutes. And I forgot. I went from the joke number one to joke number infinity. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but eventually, I feel like I recorded my first album seven years into doing comedy, 2002. Wow through 2009 and I built up in that point at least you know I think the set I did was probably 50 minutes something like that I did the the best 50 minutes of jokes that I had been you know honing and crafting and putting together and I was like this is this is the most that I, there were some jokes that might not have made it but I'm like this is basically all the good jokes that I have and then over the course of time I would go out and start headlining and bring that hour and every once in a while like I don't know if you're familiar with a Theseus's ship the idea that Theseus's ship was out to sea and they had to replace one of the planks and they replaced one of the planks and that's still Theseus's ship, of course, mm -hmm. just with one new plank. Then they replace another plank and another plank. And while they're out to sea, they end up replacing every single plank on the ship. Then mm -hmm. they come back to shore. But it's still Theseus's ship. They just did one at a time, one mm -hmm. at a time. It's still the same ship, but it's made of all different planks. They get back to shore. And then they take all the old planks and they build the ship that was it was Theseus's ship. Now they have two ships that are made out of totally separate planks that at one time or another were each Theseus's ship. And that's what a lot of comedians do with their act. That's what Carlin over the course of years. You saw Carlin like in 1992 oh, yeah. and then you saw him in 1993. It would be probably half the same as when you saw it in 92 because he was replacing it bit by bit. And then 94, it's all it's half the same as 93, but completely different from 92. Maybe yeah. it would be like a two and a half year cycle, whatever the cycle was maybe three maybe one but it, you just little by little take one out put one in some people might like throw it all out and start from scratch just go out and go to open mics and be like now i've got one minute now i've got five minutes now i've got ten but since you've done that before it becomes you're creating something new but creating something new for the first time is the hardest thing because after you've created something new once that at least you know that you have the capacity to create something new. And so once I had done comedy for an hour, then I like, I know that I can do comedy for an hour. Mm. And then ever since that now, I could probably do comedy. But I mean, I have created probably more than six plus hours of comedy. Wow. I'm not, I don't remember it all right now. <laughs> if I ever needed to, if somebody was like gun to the head, do all the comedy that you ever could, I'm like, am I allowed to riff? Because then I can, then I'm okay, you know? <laughs> You, you said there's uh, like the replacing of planks, uh, replenishing the material with new material. Is there a section of time that's too long? Like it's been five years, you're telling 75% of the same jokes. Is that unacceptable? Uh, everyone gets to decide their own way. In fact, uh, Seinfeld, I, I believe was on, like talked about this on this HBO special, like talking funny with other comedians who were more into like turning yeah. over new material every year, every like two years. Special, yeah. And they asked Seinfeld, like, how often do you turn over your new material? Because like, you know, he did it. He made a big deal in the movie Comedian of yeah. you know, getting rid of his old act. He did. I'm telling yeah. you for the last time. That's, I saw and that one. Started from scratch and started building you know, a whole new ship. And then he got it. But then he said in this special that he's like, I feel like every year, maybe I write and replace 15% of the thing that I had last year. Mm -hmm. So for him, you might go to see, you could have seen him 10 years ago and see him this year. And maybe there, maybe it's half the same. Maybe it's, maybe it's 25% the same. Maybe it's 75% the same. Like the special that he just put out yeah. is a lot of new stuff, but also has some classic bits that maybe he never recorded because he hasn't put out a special in 20 yeah. years. Like, but for, yeah. the, for the past 20 years, he's been honing this one, this one hour that, you know, he probably has several hours of material or who knows how many, maybe mm -hmm. many hours. Like he writes all the time, but he's very uh, meticulous and cares very specific. Like here's 
there's a thing that I, I heard about called rapid prototyping once, which is about uh, the way that I heard it presented was, imagine you're in a pottery class, or they, they did this for real, that there was a pottery class. Half the class was told, make one pot the whole time and make it perfect. And the mm -hmm. other half of the class was told, make as many pots as you can in the same amount of time. And so the first pots those, those guys were making were like horrible, like the worst, but they eventually got good at making pots. And eventually the pots in that group ended up better consistently than the one perfect one that that person was trying to do. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that this analogy like translates as a perfect parallel, but it does seem like Seinfeld has been working on making his pot the perfect, making, and also himself the perfect potter of his pot. Whereas <laughs> someone else who, like a lot of other comedians who are going out every couple years, every year, several years, having a new hour, like Carlin did, let's say. Uh -huh. Carlin had a new hour and he, he thought that he got better and better. He felt, I think he said that the age at which he felt he had finally gotten it, the age that he felt he was really good was 50, something like yeah. that. He was, he, you know, he started like he had a 50 year career. He'd been doing it maybe 20 or 30 years before he was like, I got it. And then there was maybe 20 more years of him getting <laughs> it, putting out special after special where he's like, I am the potter of this perfect pot yeah. for myself. I don't think there is a should about it, but it just has happened that I made my first, I recorded my first album in 2009. I recorded my next one in 2012, then one in 2013, mm -hmm. then one in 2016, one in 2017, and one in 2019. So I would say the longest it's been is three years. Yeah. But in that time, I've also continued to be building up the next hour, which is why it went from 2009 to 2012 and then 2013, because the album that I recorded in 2012, I recorded like an hour and 20 minutes probably, but only made the album in 45 minutes, then took that half hour and then had a bunch of new stuff that came out in the next year and then made that new hour out of some of some older stuff and some newer stuff. Some of the but B sides. Else, <laughs> it was, yeah. But for everyone else, it was all A sides because right, exactly. they didn't know. It's yeah. like when, it, when they get a musical artist, they make you know twenty tunes, they come up with twelve, thirteen, and then five of them end up on the next album. Yeah, yeah. Or years yeah. later, when the everybody's like, "Hey, you're not making music like you did," and they're like, "Well, this look at this five <laughs> old ones." Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. My my favorite thing about you is how rapid fire your stuff is like you put out jokes with like Eminem lyric speeds oh, and very kind but what i wanted to know is when you're workshopping something like that because i remember and you mentioned on your album too somebody's review of you being it may have been funny he he talks fast and i'm dumb is like how do you separate the people who are obviously reacting really well to it and like if you if you're getting a crowd you're like am i just going too fast for them are they not catching up to me at the moment or is this something that i need to be working on because they're not laughing uh that's a fine question that i feel like i thought i thought about it more when i was starting and people were telling me that i was talking too fast and more i think honestly and i want to remember this because i haven't put it like this exactly but I think the main issue wasn't that I was talking too fast, but I was talking too unfunny. And they were like, maybe if you slow down, then uh, the sum of the funny will rise up. And now I feel like I have a friend, Dan Crone, who's a comic in Boston. And he told me this the other day, similar when he started out, people would always tell him like, slow down, you got to slow down. And he, he talked to one of the, the guy who actually ran who, who was the host of the open mic was one of the best, like, you know, like beloved, amazing, hilarious headliners, Kevin Knox, 
uh, rest in peace, died sometime uh, a decade to a decade and a half ago. I forget exactly when, but he was uh, an amazing comedian. He was so rapid fire and he was like the wild man of Boston comedy, they called him. And when Dan Crone went to him and said, everyone's telling me that I should go talk slower. And Kevin said, I don't think so. I think you should talk faster. <laughs> and that wasn't true either, but he was the main point. He was sort of like a Zen master, a Zen faster master, you know? And he he was essentially saying like, be yourself. You, you are the one who gets to decide like how often you put out albums, how, when a joke is done, when a set is done, how fast you go. Mm -hmm. And for me, I do talk faster than some people. Yeah. And there, there may be times when some, when I, when things, some jokes are slower than others. <laughs> I might slow down like in this conversation right now. Yeah. I might breathe every once in a while. And, but now I, I have more, I'm more mindful about how, how it is going and how it is received because my goal is always for people to hear what I'm saying, understand it, take it in and respond with laughter because it is funny. That, yeah. that is the goal. So if, if I listen back and I find that I can't understand what I'm saying, I'll be like, oh, maybe slow that one down a smidge. But some mm -hmm. of it, I mean, is about how, how the joke goes, like depends, like Seinfeld once said, you know, the telling a joke is like getting an audience to leap off a cliff. Like that's where the setup is and you want them to land where the punchline is at the other side. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be the exact right distance because if it's too close, it's not exciting and they won't laugh because they could see it coming. If it's too far, then they won't make it because they can't even get there. So it has to be the exact right distance. And I feel that there's a component of how how I am talking, how fast I am talking, like how I am enunciating, how I am saying what I'm saying to get across what I'm getting across that is a part of audiences understanding. And there certainly are people, I've had people come up to me after shows and say, I didn't understand half of what you were saying, but I loved it. Oh. And there, there are sometimes people that are like, I need to get that as an album and listen back. Like, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad like in these times, a lot of comedians are pausing for laughs. For me, you might have to rewind for laughs sometimes, but that's, that's the uh, best. That's like when you're, when you're watching a movie and it's a really funny movie, you know, like a Zucker brothers, the jokes are just flying and you're laughing for so long that you have to go back <laughs> to catch the other stuff. I don't think oh, yeah. that's a problem. I, yeah. I just watched a couple of short videos by Ryan O'Flanagan and they are so great. And my girlfriend and I were watching them. And we're like, he's saying a funny thing, you know, every three seconds. Mm -hmm. And if you laugh at one, you miss the next. And that's, it, it's, it is like Eminem lyrics. It's like, listen, like you, ca I can't listen to an Eminem song for the first time. Certainly, unless even if I'm looking at the lyrics, be like, you can't get everything. Cause there's so many levels and layers and double entendres. And I, I do like, uh, you know, recording an album that is rich with the, the, as much as close as I can get to that as I can. Yeah. When, when, when you record an album, is it live? Yeah. Uh, Almost all of the time, that is how a stand-up album is yeah. recorded. Uh, I think the only exception I know about, and it might not even be that it was recorded this way, but Bob Newhart famously yeah. uh, did these sort of more character pieces where he was on the phone with uh, somebody who wasn't really there, but he would be having one half of a phone conversation, and those would be his bits. And he recorded those, I believe, with no audience, and then got a record <sighs> deal, and I think did then record them with an audience. But yeah, stand-up comedy yeah. happens. O other than during quarantine, it, it, yeah. it almost certainly requires yeah. or it certainly desires 
uh, <laughs> a live audience to respond. So yeah, it's very rare to have a yeah. studio comedy album did, unless it's a music album. Yeah. Did you do more? Uh, did was it a multiple show record that was pieced together, or was it all in one show for this? Uh, this most recent album, yeah. AKA, was we recorded four shows, and there's I, there might be I think. I don't know if every show is represented. There might be one that's not, but definitely at least three of the four shows. Like there's probably one that had most of what we wanted. I think there were two main shows, probably like the Friday, either I forget which show was on Friday, but the Saturday early show and one of the Friday shows were like, this is like the bulk of what will be the album. Just yeah. kind of going, being like, oh, this, I said everything the way that I wanted here and the audience responded the way that I wanted here. So that is the version that we're using. But yes, it was mostly a couple shows with some of a third. Yeah. I so I saw on your Twitter uh, that people, you saw some tweets from people who were going to that recording. It was back in December, I guess it was. And, uh, and say so you got to- actually had gone to the recording, which was in May. Oh, and okay. in December, he was reporting on the best comedy shows that he'd seen that year. Oh. Uh, so he was recommending the show that he had seen, which was my yeah. album recording and saying to get it when it came out. And that's why I retweeted it when it came out there. Yeah. And I, and I did get it and it was a fantastic album. Oh, uh, thank you. And uh, I just wanted to say too, cause that you, you took that to the Edinburgh fringe festival, right? That's where I that did. started. What is that festival like? Because that I've heard a lot of things about that, about that one specifically. And did you bring that there for like a specific reason? Did that, did this material kind of speak to Edinburgh or was that just something you were doing and you were just bringing your hour there? Uh, great question. Uh, I mean, the festival is amazing. Fantastic. Like if, if it, if you can go, if it happens, if it's safe and healthy, <laughs> like it's not happening this year, my plan was to go back this year. And now my plan will be to go back next year, the next year <laughs> that it is possible, safe and healthy to go. Yeah. Uh, Cause as an experience, just as a festival, it's, it's the biggest, I think of its kind in the world. Like there's comedy, magic, music, dance, so storytelling, like interactive experiences, like buskers, like there's all it's, so there's four, I think four to 6,000 shows a day. I think I like you, it's unbelievable. And so I would see several shows a day. I would do my show every day. And I, I had heard about it. I had friends who had gone to it and I'd been told I'd, I'd never performed in the UK before, but I was told that like my sensibility might go over well there. And I, I liked the idea of going to the festival. And this was the first hour I would say that, you know, you, don't, you can go there and just do and do an hour of stand up. Uh, and some people do that, but I'd say the, the UK and Australian and European and other outside of American tradition of of performing is like more one man show style, like what Mike Birbiglia does here, mm -hmm. which is he started with, you know, an hour of jokes. And then since then it's been like curated, you know, well, yeah. well themed narr narrative one man shows. And that's what people are doing more uh, in outside of America. Yeah. But uh, like America's like stand up, just joke, 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 joke. Ooh, a guy who's telling a story. <laughs> so there's like more storytellers and more storytelling there. and. It's not that this album is explicitly a story per se, but it is more like structurally cohesive and thematically connected than any album or hour or special that I've done before. So I was like, I feel like this is the hour that I was proudest of and happiest with at the time. And I'm like, if I'm like, I like the idea of going to Edinburgh and trying it because I've heard great things about it. So it was sort of a confluence of those events that brought me there with it. And, uh, and I, I feel really good about it. Uh, how does, you've had CDs made, you've got a Netflix special. I did have a special that was on yeah. Netflix yeah. Uh, from 2014 to 2017. And now that special is on Amazon. So 
how does that come about? Like, does Mr. Netflix call you? I feel like if Mr. Netflix called you, he sounds like when Steve you text, Netflix the third. Yeah, like when when you text a landline, and you it's terrifying. Oh, sure. He's sure. like, hello, uh, it's Mr. Netflix. Make a special. Your your question is very good, and the answer is yes, exactly as you imagine. <laughs> um, I mean. In, in today's day, uh, where Netflix is producing their own specials, I imagine it is something of the sort. Either you, you know, as a comedian, uh, you, your management, somebody that you're working with speaks to Netflix or they call you or you call them. And then it is arranged as such. When I did it, Netflix was not producing their own specials. So it was actually that I, I made, so the album that I recorded in 2012 that I came up with like an hour, uh, an hour and 20 minutes of, uh, then we submitted that to like Comedy Central because they were the ones that were the most prominently creating our specials in that day and age. And they were like, we are not, uh, we're not going to make this a special, but if you will see, well, maybe later, who knows, who knows what's going to happen. But also they were, they had Comedy Central records and they were like, Com as Comedy Central records, uh, we will produce it as an album. So that is who produced the album Meet Robot that came out, which is my second uh -huh. album. And as it turned out, the because I was able to put together a separate album from what would become the special that ended up on Netflix that is now on Amazon, Small Dork and Handsome, since Comedy Central was like, we no thank you to making a special, the production company that agreed to make it into a special, somebody, we, we submitted it to various people and a production company that I think, I forget if their name was at the time, New Wave and now is Comedy Dynamic or the other way around. Uh, they've had a couple names, but this production company was like, we like, they listened to the album and they're like, we like it, we'll produce the special. And then they produced it and then they shopped it around and the person that bought it was Mr. Netflix. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I, I really did like the album and I do just want to uh, have one quick quote, not a joke, but just a quote from it, uh, which I thought was really kind of relevant to the time is you wrote or you said, if you're tougher than I think that uh, makes the world tougher because you're part of the world. And if you're kinder, I think that makes the world kinder because you're part of the world. And I can't imagine a more relevant line for right now. And obviously this isn't something that you were planning. I'm hoping this is not something you were planning for, but it was uh, really good. And anybody who uh, wants to hear this album, like you said, there's a lot of uh, love and connection and all that in this album. And it was, it was really good. That just really stood out to me uh, for that. Uh, my last question just about the album or just the process of making an album like this sure. is what, uh, so you've made the album. It's, mastered it's ready to go now you're just waiting for it to come out like what is that feeling and is that feeling different in uh not this world versus a this world because you could be out touring or doing something else and maybe distracted from good question uh thank you for sharing i mean part of the process of waiting was deciding to call it AKA instead of the original title, which I brought it to Edinburgh with, which was all killing aside because <laughs> the themes, as you said, are love, compassion, and not murdering, uh, which is the perfect name for uh, an album of those themes, but not as perfect a name when it's coming out amidst the global pandemic where there's uncertainty, disease, death, and uh, people concerned without, without knowing the context, people are like, okay, all killing aside, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> so that's why we opted. So some of the run up to releasing the album was, you know, some logistical things, some getting ready to promote going on like a number of podcasts and, uh, you know, speaking with different magazines and like doing, you know, interviews and just other, other 
options and possibilities to help spread the word about the album. So in the pandemic time, which I'm not like, I, I wish that it didn't happen. It was not part of our marketing plan. Uh, it was not, I, I don't think that this is my doing or the, the, <laughs> the publicity firm that I'm working with doing. But uh, given that, I mean, I am, I am grateful that, that I have a home, that I have my health that right now, that I have my girlfriend, that I have the time to, that, that there are people that are doing podcasts that are able to, like that the te technology exists to spread the word. I'm grateful that I did record it in the before times when we didn't even know that there would be a time that albums couldn't be recorded for some hiatus. And uh, so I'm grateful that I got to do it. And now grateful that I do get to have this time that to focus essentially mainly on on spreading the word about the album, as well as continuing to, you know, work on creating new things for myself and in the world and understanding and doing my best to help myself, my loved ones, strangers, others figure out what's going on. What can we do? Uh, stay inside my home. I'm a hero. Perfect. Thank you. What else? <laughs> you did um, it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I would say uh, I haven't I've never released this album not during a pandemic, but <laughs> the, the plan was to be, you know, going to LA, going to San Francisco, going to Boston, mm. going to Seattle, going to Portland, doing like shows uh, of like really a release show tour of a kind. Uh, and we're instead, uh, I'm, we're doing that virtually. I'm doing, you know, shows virtually every day or I'm doing virtual so shows virtually every day. <laughs> and, uh, and then also just getting, since the album is available electronically, it, it is, I'm not glad for the pandemic, but I am yeah. glad to offer during the pandemic something that people can listen to that I'm really happy to have recorded uh, that I'm really proud of. You've done a lot of talk shows. When you do a talk show, do you get to meet the host or do you just see the handler and you meet him after? Good question. It's different on every show. Some, some hosts you do meet in advance, some you do meet after, some you only interact with them on the stage. But some of them, like I, the one that I've done the most, I'd say is Conan. Yeah. And I think every time I've done it, which is maybe five or six, uh, they're five-ish five or six-ish, six I'll say, uh, he has been very uh, friendly and forthright and like has come to my dressing room in advance and has come by afterwards if I have friends there or a girlfriend like he's he's stayed and like chatted with us for he's like been very giving of his time and many many of the hosts are are like that as well so when i brought to you uh the idea of bringing a movie forth to us to do a commentary for next week uh you brought us uh spider-man into the spider-verse so what uh has that you gave us a whole list and there were some great movies in there but this one actually just lines up with stuff we've actually been doing right now what has that movie in your consciousness right now that you would suggest it? Great question. I mean, I guess, you know, a lot of us are thinking about, uh, whoa, the, the, the darkest timeline, like maybe we can get into another dimension. Like what happened here? Did something, <laughs> what, what, who, why is the president? Oh God, is this, you know, uh, there, there must be a better way. Um, I guess I hadn't thought about this explicitly, but a TV show that I've been enjoying a ton recently is I just started, I watched it all the way through. Uh, the only season that exists. And then I just started rewatching it with my girlfriend all the way through. Uh, and we're a couple in now is uh, Midnight Gospel. Have you heard of or seen this show? No. It is fantastic. It is weird and out there. But uh, Duncan Trussell is a comedian who oh, I've I know known him. for a long time. Is it a cartoon? He is a, uh, it is a cartoon. I just and saw it, the thing on Netflix today. 
Oh yeah, it is. I I love it so much. Duncan is like a a psychedelic comedy wizard. He is his comedy. His podcast is called Duncan Russell's Family Hour, and he has taken some of the interviews from that show, including one with his mother who passed away years ago, and then uses either they either recreate the conversations or uses the footage that they have and then has him as like this being it seems like an alien being who like goes into this virtual reality or it's unclear whether he's actually traveling i don't know if he's traveling two different dimensions or seeming like he is but he sticks his head in this like living machine type thing and then he like just rockets to a different planet every episode and meets a you know a creature a character voiced by a wise person in real life and learns things from them in each of these different dimensions about life death consciousness drugs psychedelics you know ev everything like uh, all these things like everything that is interesting to him and to me it's just so beautiful and and so that has also been in my consciousness recently is this you know dimension spanning dimension traveling uh, entity of learning and you know trying to help himself and the world be better or more interesting or more knowledgeable like more kind and uh i mean i've also just been a fan of i mean i've read spider-man comics since i was a child i think like when i think eric larson was writing them when i started maybe todd mcfarlane like in that era Okay. Uh, and I just loved, I still love Eric Larson stuff to this day. I still read Savage Dragon, like ever since it came out in 1992. It's still going. Is that going. still going? It's, it's yeah. still going. Wow. It is? Very exciting. I, I won't lie to you. Uh, Todd and I, we've known each other since grade one. Uh, and we uh, used to go up to his aunt's cottage every summer for three weeks. And there was a comic book store in town and we went in there. And the first comic I bought the first time we went into this, that store was Savage Dragon at number one. I wish we could have kept them. I had all up to six. Oh, yeah. One of them was like the day he fought the Ninja Turtles, and the Ninja Turtles were like rated R. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it true. Was, it was awesome. That's 100%. That's it so cool. Was, oh, yeah. I loved I I got the single issues for a long, long time. Like now I, I will get like the, the trade or I'll get it on, you know, Kindle or whatever. But mm -hmm. I still, I've, I've read every story up until at least the last couple of years, and I I catch up every once in a while. But uh, yeah, so I, I loved Eric Larson's Spider Man, his Amazing Spider Man, his, and then Spider Man was like I read I read Spider Man, I read X Men. I didn't love the X Men comics, but I just thought I was supposed to be reading them. I'm like, well, you gotta know, gotta know what's going on in this universe. Yeah. You know, they keep ah, Secret Wars, all this stuff of these Secret Wars crossover cool. stories. You you got gotta keep how you gotta know what else is going on. But like I did love Spider Man, like the character, and like then so many wonderful people have written him. Like recently, like obviously Brian Bendis and then Dan Slott. And so like I still read Spider Man, mm -hmm. and I still love. And right now I think it's uh, Nick Spencer is writing it, and it's like cool. It's like I love, I I love it. I mean I love yeah. stories, and I love specifically like when I people who create beautiful story like I more read for who's writing something like I'll read anything by Neil Gaiman if I even if I don't oh, yeah. know who the characters are I'll read anything I think by Eric Larson because I just love what he does and but Spider-Man also is just this iconic I love Spider-Man and so even if somebody that I I don't know is writing Spider-Man like let's see what this person Spider-Man is like with into the Spider-Verse I mean it's just like one of certainly it's one of the best movies like not even just animated movies not even just superhero movies it's like it was so groundbreaking in in form, in structure, and in like being so both faithful to the content like that. Yeah. I can't imagine I haven't read like of any I haven't like looked for it, but I feel like 
the the nerdiest comic nerds would would appreciate like i'm i'm not like i'm nerdier than most people and i'm less nerdy than most nerds like or than most <laughs> comic book nerds of any specific kind of nerdery like i don't go as deep as the people who go the deepest yeah. but i have i have my fingers in a lot of nerdy pies and so i don't know if there are like extreme spider-man comic book nerds that are that have any issue with it but to me i'm like wow they really did it like all the other spider-man movies i could you can watch and be like oh yeah sure like what well, okay they they it's like appealing to a more mainstream audience great fine like i mean some of them are great and some of them are like i like watching them but mm -hmm. this one it was just like every moment it was funny the way it's like you'd want it yeah. to be it was action-packed the way you'd want it to be so it's just it really stuck with me and the reason one reason that i specifically picked it is when you told when you gave me a list of the movies that you had done i looked at all the spider-man movies that you had done and i was like oh i can't believe i'm grateful that you haven't done this one because <laughs> this one is i think legit the best one absolutely is i agree with you i don't want to take up any more of your time but i came across one thing if you would indulge me for just a moment before we go i, I will i was doing a i was doing a deep dive on you just doing some research and i came across probably the dumbest website i've ever seen and reading the information just made me laugh and i just wanted to read what i read to you and Please. i and i do want to preface it with what it says at the end is all dating histories are fact checked and confirmed by our users we publicly we use publicly available data and resources to ensure that our dating stats are biography and biographies are accurate. So this is datingcelebs.com. Oh, wow. So okay. this was this was a few pages in. And um, it was like, oh, number four on Google or something like that. Um, so I just want to confirm with you that your height is under review. Oh, thank you. And that you <laughs> and that you will currently weigh pounds. Oh, got it. Uh, that your girlfriend is Catherine Vos Krasinski, which I believe is correct. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, but bad news for you, uh, as uh, you are a Libra and she is a Taurus, Libras are most uh, compatible with uh, Gemini, Leo, and Sagittarius uh, and, oh. Oh, and Aquarius. So bad news for you. Uh, and then Catherine uh, Voss Krasinski is currently zero years old. Oh, so uh, that's pretty, that's close. So yeah, you. Uh, so I mean, I'm I'm not gonna rat you out because you seem happy. So I uh, just want. She's not even born yet. Yes, and I mean, she's being born. Yeah, right she's now. like in the process yes. of forming. You're yes. like, that's gonna be my wife. I mean, also, I don't want to. I I like it better that she is being born right now or being formed currently. Yes. But technically speaking. You know, when you turn one, then you're one for a year. So yeah. when you turn zero, it could be any time yeah. between before her first birthday. That's what Forming I was saying. Forming to, right. Yes. I, 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 like, I like that, that they know his girlfriend's name, mm -hmm. but they don't know how tall he is. Yeah. He has feet. Like they don't have a fucking clue. They didn't even take a guess. Name. They're looking at pictures with me and her, and they're like, yeah. she is taller than him, but she's zero. So how tall could <laughs> yeah. he be? Well, according to his CD, he's roughly four inches tall. <laughs> but um, And then just so you know, uh, is Mike Kaplan having a relationship affair? This information is not available. So <laughs> so, if you, if you, so if you are, they're not on to you. I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, oh, we yeah. had a... We had a blast. Wait a second, wait, wait a second, oh, wait a second. you got something. <clears throat> Your birthday is October the 7th. That's right. I'm October the 15th. Oh. Coincidence? Uh, Not really. Somebody's got to be born someday. Shut I mean, it, uh, no. You, him. It was fated to be. We were fated That's right. That's to be correct. born eight days apart, That's probably correct. some years apart. Yeah. And then do this podcast together. Agreed. See, he gets it, Joe. Joe he gets it. Yeah. Reached out. 
uh, when I said, hey, I've got an album out and I'm looking to do podcasts. Does anyone yeah. have a podcast? And yeah. Joe said, I have a podcast. And I was like, you seem like a, a friendly fellow. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out you were a friendly fellow. And you're like, I've got this other guy on the podcast too. I'm like, well, I'm sure that your fl- friendliness will make up for whatever he brings to the table. <laughs> and what do you know? It really almost did. <laughs> Almost underlined twice. All right. <laughs> um, it's been but, a pleasure. But thank you thank so you. much. Uh, AKA is out now. Uh, go get it wherever you purchase such things. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh, I mean, if you that's the thing that I care about the most right now. And mm-hmm. all of my social media is Mike Kaplan spelled the way that I spell it. And, uh, and also my podcast is called Broccoli and Ice Cream. And I talk to nice people about the things they do and find joy in. So uh, thanks for engaging in all these such things. And I am doing, while the while not performing live outside my home, I'm doing a bunch of things that you can find out about on my social media. So thanks for getting the album uh, and en- engaging with the past. And then thanks for <laughs> engaging with the present and possibly the future, if you can get there. Wonderful. Thank, thank you very luck. much for doing our show. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good night. Stay safe. All right, guys. That was Mike Kaplan. Fantastic. I can't say enough good things about him. Once again, his album, AKA, is available now everywhere. Well, probably not everywhere. Like, you probably couldn't go on, like, Uber Eats and get it. So anyways, yeah, any anywhere you can catch his stuff. Uh, yeah, Broccoli and Ice Cream, his podcast, you can catch it there. And just go to uh, MikeKaplan.com, and it's MYQ if you do not know better. That's how you can search him, and you can find all his various social medias under the same name. And... Yeah, by all means, check him out. But he's laid the gauntlet down for us. We need to do a movie. And we're going to do it. And let us listen to the trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love. Then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial. I did a Christmas album and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man swings in once a day, zip zaps off in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I I wanna wanna hear it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear of the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, you're doing it. Double tap to release and (laughs) whip it out again. Okay. Whip. And release. You're a natural swim. Hey guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our universes soon. Brooklyn is going to collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Miles, what's wrong? This was never your city. It's mine. 
If I don't destroy the collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different... Let's go! ...is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak them out. All right. So I'm looking forward to this. It couldn't have come at a better time because Agreed. it's literally coming right after our MCU marathon love, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's it. Next week, Into the Spider-Verse. You're going to hear more from Mike Kaplan. You're going to hear some stuff that wasn't in this week's episode. Uh, and we're talking about the movie specifically and all that. And also, if you are interested, uh, the complete unedited interview will be released that same day on our website. So you can go to miscastcommentary.com and you can listen to that there. So for now, we're going to leave you at that. It feels like we're recording a very short episode because there's a giant interview in the middle. Love it. Uh, isn't this the Less best? Less work for me. We already did the work before. Right? Slap Perp it in. Slap it in there. Um, all right. Thank you guys all so much. Thanks again to Mike Kaplan. Once again, go check out Mike stuff. And we will catch you next week. This has been Miscast Commentary with your hosts, Joe Finley and Todd Murray. Executive producer, Joe Finley. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Visit www.miscastcommentary.com for all news related to the podcast. Miscast Commentary is a Miscast Media Production.